Fourth and final hour on this Wednesday afternoon. Darren, Donick, and Jace, and now C-Mace. Every Wednesday at 1, driven by Freeland Chevrolet. Chris, how you doing? Ah, oh, fantastic. And you yourself. How could we not be fantastic after last night? That was a lot of fun. That was a good game. It was a lot of fun. A um, little deceiving, I think, the, the score, but it was... Uh, Good game, good results. Nice to see the the Preds get on the board early. So all things, anytime you win, it's it's the cure for all. So it was uh, it was a good uh, good night last night. Lots of energy in the building too. Loved it. Let me uh, peel the curtain back with you because I love doing this with Skillsy, even though you have to sometimes enter with caution, right? Because you never know <laughs> what's going to happen. Always, always, always enter with caution because you never know how it's going to play out. But yes. he, he told some funny stories last night in post game. You know, I brought up you know. He said, you've been in the box a lot. And he left. He said, yes. And I said, so just kind of take take us through, you know, leaving the box and just kind of the Colton Sissons play. And he told a funny story about he got clipped once on the door and fell out coming out of the box. But So I want you to take us through the mindset of a goalie. You've experienced some things that played out last night. So let's start with the Predators are up 2 nothing, And right shortly after that Colton Sissons goal, Kasha gets a breakaway and and right after this, I mean, Anaheim could have had the quick response and cut the lead in half. So just talk about the mindset of a goaltender. And Pekka, of course, came up with the big save. When you get that breakaway, you and it's mano a mano, it's you versus him and what you're trying to accomplish and kind of, you know, take us through that play, through your eyes. Well, anytime a goaltender, especially, you know, somebody with as much experience as, as Pekka knows, those critical times in a hockey game, um, you know, and, and those are one of those those times where we saw a couple times last night, actually, he made another big save, and then the Preds went down and scored in the second period, too. But those are one of those times where, um, you know, it could be a turning point in the hockey game. Like, if he lets that in, all of a sudden the Ducks are back in because they were playing well. They were getting chances. They outchanced the Preds in the first period. Uh, but, but, you know, the score wasn't really indicative of the type of hockey game it was. So, that again is you know one of those moments in a hockey game as a goaltender. You know that the, the the more of those that you can make, obviously, you know, you know this goes without saying, but the more you can uh, make of those and frustrate and kind of demoralize the other team, it kind of takes them their their belief away a little bit, and it builds you know on the flip side, it builds the the belief in your team that hey, you know what, we might not be playing our best hockey right now, but we got a couple goals and our goaltender's keeping it in the hockey game. So as a goaltender, you're fully aware of that and those those swings that can happen within the game. And, um, you know, it was kind of that fragile point, to be honest with you, because Anaheim was playing really well. They, mm-hmm. they were getting a ton of chances. So, so that goes in, and you're talking a completely different hockey game. So those saves are just, in retrospect, when you look back, he made uh, he made plenty of them last night in the first and second period, especially. And so the Predators get to build on that right out of the gates in the second period. Grimaldi gets the goal just over thirty seconds in, and all of a sudden it's three nothing. And so everything feels really, really good. But Anaheim yet again has got another opportunity to get uh, with a I guess a couple minutes later they get the the, the penalty shot. So what are you going through? You, you know we don't see it a ton, but whenever the penalty shot is awarded, so. Once again, it's just like a shootout, but this is a little bit different. Not, take us through the mindset of uh, what Pekka and a goaltender is trying to do at that point. Well, at that point, you're just you know you, you look you see the play hop and the referee's hand goes up, so you, you're you're probably hoping it's a penalty so you can kill that off. But once it's a penalty shot, you just get in shootout mode, 
and penalty shots are a little different for whatever reason. I just think it's, uh, you know, unexpected by the player and, um, you know, they're not picked by the coach. It's not a formality. It's kind of those spur of the moment type of things. So you just, you just get, you know, Pekka was in the zone last night. So I really honestly don't think it mattered what they do. And, you know, when you, <laughs> you get in a situation as a goaltender like that, like you want the shots, you want them to shoot. Cause you just, it just felt like, you know, it was going to take, you know, a miracle to beat them. They ended up getting beat on a turnover, a great shot by Getzlaff. But you could just see that night that no matter what the situation was, he, he wanted to be in that situation. That penalty shot was no different. I didn't think Terry um, really executed a very nice move. But again, when you're playing against the goaltender, like the way that Pekka was playing, you think, you know, as a player, you go down and you think you have to make a perfect shot to beat him. And then, uh, you know, Pekka turned that away easily. And again, just another demoralizing factor, you know, for the Ducks when you're sitting on the bench thinking, geez, what are we going to do to score on this guy? Yeah. And that gets, you know, it's, it's, it's a mind game out there. And I think that did play a big part, um, you know, of the game. And Pekka was just, man, he was good. He was good. And with all that being said, uh, the Predators get their first shorthanded goal of the year. And Look! Look who it came from, and it just what we were just talking about—the missed opportunities by Anaheim, and how about that play? In fact, that was a, a really interesting perspective. How walked us, you know, walked everybody through last night when I asked him to kind of, you know, that—that's instincts. You know, you—he—he he made the job because if Matias doesn't make that play, that that could be big trouble. But he makes the play, and then finish about about the finish. I mean to. For what he was able to do to get that shorthanded goal, that was quite impressive. Well, it was really impressive. And, and to me, it was even more impressive because I think the penalty kill has kind of been under fire. It hasn't been great this year. Um, I feel what their strengths in past years, they've always had a strong penalty kill, but I feel one of their biggest strengths as a group is their work in the neutral zone. They make it really hard for teams to get into the zone. So you have to, you have to, it takes courage because you have to stand up and you have to. Um, you know, you don't back in in the neutral zone and, and you try to do what actually Matias did. But it, it, when you're, you have a vulnerable penalty kill, your instincts are to just, to just back in. You know what, we don't want to take any chances. There's a little bit of risk associated with this. We haven't been playing well. We've got to back in. We'll just, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll just you know, throw, we'll just play with caution. But they stood up, and I thought the penalty kill was excellent um, last night, and they needed that too. But for Matias to stay up and, and be aggressive like that, and then take that shot. He just poked it away, you know, perfectly. And I think, uh, you know, that says a lot about the, the team in, in terms of maybe the percentages aren't good and they've been getting scored on, and they know they have to be better, and they know what they have to do, and they're not scared to do it. So I think last night for the penalty kill was huge, and, uh, you know, getting that shorthanded goal was, was icing on top of that because that really, I think that goal really put the game away. Chris Mason is with us, and... Base, as you sort of alluded to earlier, that it was a little deceiving how lopsided the score ended up being. The, the Predators were opportunistic, which was great, to be able to cash in. That that was sort of the issue last Saturday against the, the Panthers, not being able to cash in on their best opportunities. But I heard Peter Laviolette after the game still say, we've still got some stuff to work on defensively. And, and it seems to me that the key element is still going to continue to be balancing the push offensively, the firepower they have with making sure they don't leave themselves on the opposite side with two-on-ones, three-on-twos breakaways because Pecorino erased a lot of mistakes last night. Yeah, and I, I feel like that's kind of been, 
the issue right from the beginning of the year where, you know, it's great to score goals, you know, at the rate that they're scoring. But, you know, if your long-term picture, uh, you know, your long-term goal is to win in the playoffs and win the Stanley Cup, you know, ultimately I know it's uh, it's forever and a day away, but you, you have to start getting those good habits because, you're not going to be able to score that, you know, that this type of these games aren't going to happen in playoffs in the second half of the season. They're they're tight checking hockey games, and you know if if you make those mistakes, those are mistakes. You know that's you end up on the wrong side of a one goal hockey game because you're making those mental lapses or you're you're taking, you know, you're not weighing the risk reward. You think you can go for a puck, and all of a sudden you get in there and you try to poke it away, and all of a sudden they chip it by. It's a two on one in the back of your net. So these are some of the things that I think. Um, they're correctable. It's it's just a commitment, and it's it's still early in the season. And there's a lot of teams that have, you know, I've watched some other games too, and a lot of the same stuff's going on for a lot of teams right now. That's why the goal scoring's up and all this. But um, it's definitely something you kind of want to take care of as soon as possible because you know I don't think the Predators or anyone for that matter um, can really keep up you know the pace of goals they're scoring and that type of hockey just doesn't translate in the playoffs. So I know that that's got to be a big priority inside that locker room. And I know Peter wants to take care of some of the bad habits. And, you know, sometimes I feel um, they get running around a little bit in the defensive zone. They like to play uh, man on man. And, in you know, when you play those types of systems, if one guy gets out of position, you know, you, you lend yourself to open up a, a good scoring chance. So I think it's just the more games they get under their belt and everybody gets on the same page, I think will be a benefit to them. But, you know, you want to you want to win those games 2-1 too, right? You, you want to be able to win those hockey games as well. You don't necessarily need the, the, the 5-4s and the 6-5s. It's nice, to, nice, exciting games to call, that's for sure. But if you're looking at the big picture, you want to get that goals against average down as a team. Tomorrow night, the Minnesota Wild come in. They really struggled out of the gate, but they've won their last two games, even though they've got some guys banged up. Uh, it appears that Dubnik will not be able to play tomorrow. Got hurt during the game last night. They've called up another goalie. Pretty early on, Stalick. Yeah. Still well, preserve the, the shutout. Yeah, and Dubnik, I, and I still don't understand how all the goalie stats work, but he got the win. Yes. Dubnik still got the win. I know. But, well, you uh, get the win. If you're, if you're in the hockey game and your team is, you're in net for the game-winning goal, you get credited with the win. Okay, so it so they had already scored because the final was three nothing. Yeah, they, they scored three. I think when he, I think they scored three right away. Oh, okay. So they I had can't scored. remember what exactly what it was, but he was the goalie of record when the game winning goal was scored. Okay, so he gets credit. So I think we're all curious, Mace, on uh, how the Wild look already for the second time coming through town. Who gets credit? By the way, real quick, who gets credit for the shutout? How does that work? No one. They, it's a joint shutout, so not one guy gets it. They it, it counts as a. A joint shutout. It's a separate, a separate category. Hmm. Okay. I think I've had one of those once. I think it was with Vokun, but really, uh, maybe we'll have to look into that. Were you the relief pitcher, or did you start? I think I was the relief pitcher. I came in. He had, he had enough, and I went in there and closed her out. A couple, a couple of strikeouts to end it. Couple, yeah. <laughs> Goalie stats with C-Mace here. Yeah, on yeah. Hey, I'm the worst at that. I don't even know. I honestly, that's. But anyway, I know the I know the win thing because I've been on the uh, both sides of that. But um, you know, for Minnesota, though, honestly, I, you know, I mean, we've been around this game for a long, long time, and you cannot overlook anybody in the league. And I think a lot of times, you know, people get caught up in looking at the standings and looking at you know how this team started, and oh, they don't have this person and that person. 
I, I just feel in this league, if you don't come and play your best game or you play the way that you play hockey, you know, you play a game the way that you're going to go play the Vegas Golden Knights, if you go out and play the Arizona Coyotes differently, you're going to lose that hockey game. You, gotta, you, get, you have to bring your best game, what your, you know, whatever your team identity is, you have to bring that, and you, and you have to have everybody, you know, on board. And I think the Minnesota Wild, again, is another team that if you say, well, you know, Anaheim was playing well, they were second in the Pacific, and, he's in, the, in, the, you know, in the dressing room you're thinking, well, you know, Minnesota Wild, they're not doing so good. Yeah, they beat Edmonton, but Dubnik's not playing. We only need to, you know, give it 85%, and we'll probably win this hockey game. That's not the way it works in the NHL. So I, I think the Predators um, – it's good, I think, that they have a lot of things to still work on. Um, just finding that consistency because, you know, from game to game, I think they put in a couple good defensive efforts. I think Peck has uh, saved their bacon a couple times. Um, but I'll tell you what, I will be interested to see uh, who's going to get the start because uh, Saros has had some pretty good games against Minnesota in the past, and this might be a good opportunity for him to get back in there on a team that he's familiar with and has had some success against. Chris Mason just read my mind because I was about to ask you about UC Saros because you figure he's going to be starting in one of these next two games. But my question is, what is the conversation like between UC Saros and Ben Vanderklok, the goalie coach? Because it hasn't been the, the greatest start for UC Saros thus far. You know, if I'm, if I'm in this situation and, you know, I'm, I'm the goalie coach and I know Ben is, you know, such a passionate guy and he's always really conscious of, you know, the guy's psyche and, and, and really being careful to help put them in the right, uh, you know, state of mind. I think you're just, there's obviously some, some things that in the games that maybe, you know, he let in a couple goals here or there, but I think that the last game against Arizona, there's, you know, a lot of things that he did well. He played well. He hasn't got the goal support. That's one of the things I'd say. I'd say, hey, you know, Juice, it's early. You know, you guys haven't played that well in front of you. Just keep going, battling and practice. Let's find some drills to get you feeling good and kind of get that confidence. I, I just keep building the confidence and don't let him get down. It's tough enough. It's, it's always hard to begin the season because everything is under such a big microscope, and I think it gets blown out of proportion. Like everybody's talking about, well, Nashville's averaging, you know, whatever, five goals a game. They, that's, they're going to, if they keep this pace, they're going to beat, you know, Tampa Bay from last year and all these different things. That just, it's just not, you know, it's not going to happen. So I think for, for a goaltender um, and for, you know, Ben and, and the coaches and probably Peckett too is just to just keep building them up, just be there as a support system, just, you know, give them some good goaltending drills to keep that confidence going and keep them sharp. So it, it's they're not too worried about it. I'm not worried about it at all. But it just, you know, you want to get in the wind column and you want to put a good game under your belt too sooner rather than later so it doesn't end up snowballing. I was going to ask you about Halloween, but we can do that next Wednesday because that'll be the day before. Ooh. So I'll save that, okay? Okay. That'll be good. I want to scary. see if I can get anything uh, out of you for Thursday. There is a home game. <laughs> Is. I don't even know. I don't think we're. I don't think we're doing anything on the broadcast. But really, I don't even. I don't think so. Well, you know what Willie and I talked about too is like, how would it look if we dressed up as, let's say, 
you know, Mario and Luigi, and all of a sudden we're down 3 nothing after the first period. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Luigi! Hey, Philip Forsberg! <laughs> like, I don't know. It just doesn't fly. You know, I don't oh, know. It's a tough one. That's good stuff. Hey, hey, so I want you to know you passed inspection last night when I came up to the booth. Glad to see oh, everything clean up there. So it was good. Buddy, I just I got a little nervous. I got excited and nervous to see it, but I'm glad you're, you know, you're keeping tabs on Bridgestone during the games. Yeah, great. absolutely. No citations. No citations. Yep. Good stuff as always. Uh, good to talk to you. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay. Thanks, guys. See ya. Uh, Chris Mason, uh, driven by Freeland Chevrolet every Wednesday at 1 o'clock. More of Darren, Donick, and Chase next. So Chris Mason said something there in that interview that we're going to expound on a little bit. And I'm going to let you set it up, Willie, because I kind of want to counter a little bit to where you're going with this. Well, tomorrow night, the Minnesota Wild come in. They're 3-6 and six on the season. They're not a playoff team. Well, nobody thinks so. They're just not. Brad Hunt leaves the, leads them in goals. <laughs> and that being said, what happened last night? They played the Edmonton Oilers, a team that has been one of the big stories of the league so far. Shut them out. Mm-hmm. Three to nothing. Yep. That is despite some injury issues. Their goalie went out to an injury during Pretty the early. game. Pretty early. There's two or three other guys. Kevin Fiala hasn't played the last couple of games. Jordan Greenway hasn't played. They've got some banged up guys. Uh, Kevin Fiala, I think the first time he met, was that not a healthy scratch? I, I think so. I thought I heard that, but then I looked and I, I was trying to figure that out myself during the during the break. I don't know. I got to look more. I think last but, Thursday when you guys were in Arizona, I think because that night they were playing, I think he was a healthy scratch. But the point is this. On paper, the Wild come in as an underdog tomorrow. There's no doubt about it. But they've won two games in a row, and they're feeling good about how they're playing coming in. They're going to feel like they can come in and win. The Predators so far have lost to the Red Wings, the Kings, and the Coyotes. Now, the Coyotes, I think, are the best of those three. I think they might be sneaky good. I don't I think, think there's any doubt. I are. think the Coyotes are on the verge uh, of having a good a good solid they team and contending, yeah, I, contending for a playoff spot. I think they are. I, mean, I, they I said better. it last. You weren't, you know, you weren't here last week, and I said I think on Friday's show I said I think there's a real shot the Coyotes may be a playoff team. But the, the one of the secrets to the regular season success is to make sure that you don't have your guard down when you play these teams. You know, the, the, every team's going to win about thirty games somewhere in there, right? Every team's going to win thirty. Most are going to lose around 30 it's what happens in the other games so don't don't allow a team like the red wings on your home ice i don't know what the mystery is of the red wings the predators can't buy it's, one against them or the kings a team, that, a team that uh, the predators just for two periods just played very poorly well, by the way there's against, against there's the three kings. teams the panthers the red wings yeah. and the coyotes there's no explanation on why <laughs> right. their record is what it is against those teams right but i i think Mace made a good point. Make sure you're locked in, ready to go. You play Tampa, you know what you're up against Tampa on Saturday night down in Tampa. So don't just don't don't have what has happened a couple of times, at least for at least some periods here or there, where they're just not focused. Okay. You know, they, there's no reason they should be out shot fifteen three in the first period in Arizona. That should not happen. Okay, so let me counter. Okay. So they beat they beat LA. Okay. They beat Detroit. They lose in Vegas, and they lose to the Capitals, who they trailed most of the entire game. Okay? 
Washington is without a doubt a playoff team. Vegas is without a play without a doubt a playoff team. And maybe div- probably division winners and so forth and so on. Very good team. I see your point. So, do you feel better about the start, or do you say then you go? Well, they're off to a really good – or actually, you just look at their record and you're like, yeah, the, everything looks pretty good right now. But, you know, I mean, really, look at who they've beaten. I mean, they really haven't beat anybody. They've beaten nobody. I mean, they time they go up against anybody good, they lose. I mean, uh, okay, Vegas I see is a good say. team. In, they are saying in theory. It's the same record, same points. Nothing's changed other than you just took out an L.A. loss and a Detroit loss, and you, and you took away two wins and just flopped them. So nothing's changed stats-wise. I mean, standings, everything's the same. So do you feel better? You feel worse? You feel the same? I, I think I feel better about the way it is because I think you exactly. know that the team can reach that a level where they, they can play with anybody. They've beaten the Capitals. They've won in Vegas. You know, they've beaten San Jose head-to-head. We know those are some of the measuring sticks around the league. So you, that makes you feel good. That's what I'm so, getting but, at. But you're, so you're I looking think the narrative for, is but different. you're looking for a blend of both, right? You, so, well, you want that... Every night, the best teams go out and once get it again, done every you're not, you're, There is no such thing as every night. No, no, you're no, going to lose I, all these games. You're, you're, right. games. you're going to lose some games. But would you agree, and the thing that's always concerned me, at least the past few years, is there are times where they play down to their competition, and that's when they, they lose to teams that, like Detroit now. But it happens every year in the league. This, this, sure. is, this is a salary cap league like the NFL where you, you always have a game going – what? What? Huh? Okay. What? You play 82 games. Right. Right. We just gave an example not... of last night. Right. Edmonton goes into Minnesota and gets shut out. Edmonton went into the game, what, 7-1? Seven and 7-1-1. One? Seven, seven, one 7-1-1 one one they went into the game, and they got shut out by Dubnik and Stalock. Yeah, and look, right. that, that's going to happen over the course of an 82-game season, like you said, but they need against a Detroit, which used to used to mean something, and now it's obviously different, but... The record against them with Peter Laviolette is just one that it shouldn't be. And I think there are times where it just they go in thinking, all right, well, we got this, and then it doesn't happen. They need the attitude like they had last night. Because Anaheim, I thought the score shows you that Nashville dominated, but Anaheim played a pretty good game. A- Anaheim too. has played well. They well. dominated the scoreboard. Yeah. That's yeah. really it. But Anaheim has played well to, to the season. Not, they're, 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 not, they're not a playoff team. I'm just going to go on record. They're not a playoff team. You can tell me they were 6-3. and three, I get it. They, it was a phony. They're a fraud. They're, think, not, they're not a player. I think they're, Arizona gets that. I think that their goaltending spot. will keep them hanging around. I think I don't think they're going to slip to the bottom. If you're asking me, L.A., rank them, L.A., Anaheim, and Arizona, I've got Arizona 1, Anaheim 2, L.A. 3. And Arizona's the only one that has, a, to me, a legit, legit shot of being a playoff team. L.A. and Anaheim are not playoff teams. Not likely. I I agree. I I, I just think with G- Gibson is going to hang is going to have them hanging in games they have no business being in sometimes, which has happened to to a degree this year. Which is part of the reason why they're six and three. They came in, they hadn't allowed more than two goals in a game more than one time uh, until Gibson last night. came in with a one point eight eight goals and, against. And Miller was the same and way. He got so, lit up. I, I think my point is when this team is clicking, the Predators. They're as good as anybody. I think it's just avoiding a few of the periods that have you going, What? where Where are the guys I just watched the period before or the night before? You know, it, if you could see that team, that team's a really good team. Right. Just, let's avoid the lapses 
that have that have had a few periods where you had you're just scratching your head. And I, I just I so agree with you. Tomorrow. Look, I agree with you. I just think that I'll take wins over the Sharks, the Capitals, and Vegas. And no question. And say, you know what? Okay, they stacked up against good teams because those are good teams and came away with wins. And yes, for whatever reason, they're head scratching losses to teams they should have beat. But to me. It's a better sign than if all your wins are against teams that none of us feel are that good, because then you're going, well, what are they really? I mean, they when they play the good teams, they lose. When they've played the bad teams, they've won. So what are they? That's the way I look at it. So to me, it's a better indicator of what they are, because when they've gone up against stiffer competition, they've won. And they've had some lapses. Yeah, you don't want to see the lapses, but we know the lapses are going to happen. So what would you rather be against? Would you rather be against a good team? Does that make everybody feel better? Or do you want the laps to be against a bad team? To me, I guess if you want it to feel better, then I guess you would want them to lose to better teams. But, I mean, there is no such thing. A loss is a loss. I don't know if you feel better one way or the other. Unless you're getting run out of a rink. Like L.A. did. Well, I, no, the I, game before, they lost 8-2 no, to two to Vancouver. I feel better the way it is. I think It's much me more too. correctable the way it is. Me too. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. All right, we'll come back. More of Darren... Donnick and Chase on this Wednesday, ESPN 102.5 The Game. We had Joe Rexroad on back at the beginning of the show, first hour. And we talked a little bit about his piece on The Athletic that is out now. What did he say, 4,000 words? Yeah. Be taking some time to read that later. He spent some time with Vanderbilt AD Malcolm Turner. Now, this was on Saturday. Remember, Vanderbilt was... A three-touchdown underdog at home to Missouri. And we all saw, we talked to Derek Mason yesterday. We all saw basically what their head coach, his passion and how he felt after the game. And there was certainly a lot of subtle hints of what was really going on. We discussed it yesterday on the show. And I know, Max, you want to jump in on this as well because you spend a lot of time over there. That's school where you graduated but in fact that's where you were earlier today when we had joe rex wrote on i was so i don't know if anybody's had a chance you heard what joe had to say a little bit about it um nobody's really had a chance to, to do a deep dive into that article but where where did you want to go with malcolm turner because i know you've spent some time around him as well yeah and i talked about this on the newest anchor down podcast which came out on monday the GameNashville.com pod center is where you can find that. But I just wanted to bring it up with you guys because I can tell in bits and pieces, you guys have been a little bit tentative on Malcolm Turner or, or wanting more or wanting something. So I, I just kind of want... It's, it's a little mysterious, at least from, from my right. angle and I think from you guys yeah. as well. He, I, I just kind of wanted to open it up and say I maintain, I thought this from the moment his name came up, that he is the perfect hire and the perfect person for the job. To what Willie said before you, you go a little bit further with this, I'm I'm kind of exactly where Will and I've told these guys this. We had him in studio with Jerry Stackhouse, and you know we had a, I don't know, they were in here for what, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever, and we had a But the story that day was Stackhouse. It, right. It, he was more yes. of a secondary figure. So in we that. really haven't had a chance to just sit down with him, and I think since he took over on February 1st, which is a great day, by the way, my birthday. Um, that's when he took over. That here we sit in late October, and 
what I've told these guys is I, what I don't understand is it's like he comes up for air and he's everywhere and you can you can talk to him and you'll get articles like this and he's doing interviews and then he goes off the grid for a good while. I mean, he just goes completely off the grid and I don't you may seem at at during a timeout or at halftime at a football game, which we did this year, or at a basketball game or what have you, but for the most part, he goes completely off the grid. Now, I know there's stuff to do. He's brand new. This job, there's a lot to figure out, as we've discussed. But I, I guess I there's a lot of questions. People have a lot of questions, a lot. But I, I just would like for him to be a little bit more available because I think everybody wants to get to know him more and find out what's in his head. I don't have a feeling one way or the other on whether he's the right guy or not because, Max, I don't have enough data or haven't had any time around right. him enough to know one way or the other. Okay, but so Max has got to know him better than we, so so let's let him continue. You you say he is the right guy for the job. Why? Well, I the thing I really want to do is address your guys' concerns about this because I, I don't think there is a single item to be concerned about right now. I think everything has... has I, there was no expectation, so I don't want to say gone as expected, but I have zero causes for concern. So, Darren, by off the grid, you mean he's not doing constant media appearances? Is that what you mean? I mean, how many things have happened on his watch where we, there weren't even a press conference? I mean, no well, press conference. He didn't well, have an introductory press conference. I mean, he didn't even have an introductory press so, conference. Like, how many times does an SEC school hire an AD and they don't even have a press conference about it. You don't think that's strange? That is not normal operating procedures. So when that happened, that was a concern from many, including you guys. And I said, Malcolm Turner is operating under the mindset that he came from with the NBA. And as the athletic director, in terms of not having a press conference, that's because he is operating as if he is the commissioner of a major professional sports league. And that major professional sports league is Vanderbilt Athletics. So I think that's why there wasn't a press conference. And also just because they did a teleconference. And then he arrived on campus a little bit later, three months later, in fact. So more than a little bit. But I think if there is a regret, it's that. And I've got audio from him last week saying that, which I'm going to pull up here in a moment. Saying he regrets the start? Like he regrets not being on? a little bit more public with these with these minor steps. Okay. Yeah. And and I do think I agree with you. Like I wanted to hear from him. Like you just you just replaced somebody that had been here for a long time. You're coming in with a new vision. You have a basketball background. That obviously was a big big thing at the time that with Bryce Drew. So I'm with you. I wanted some sort of introductory press conference, and then it took a while for him to really say well, anything. He's he's fired a coach. He came in and yeah. fired uh, the basketball coach. I mean. Normal operating procedures are when you're making moves as an athletics director of a big of a Division One school in the SEC, and you're named that. You're firing a coach. You have press conferences. You answer did questions. Did Alabama have a press conference the day they fired Avery Johnson? I don't or just know. when they I hired Nate I Oates. I don't. I don't know. I don't. Because Malcolm Turner was at at the podium the entire time with Jerry Stackhouse when they were hired, and questions were for both of them. Do you know the answer to that, by the way? Because I don't, I don't live to in Tuscaloosa. Johnson? I don't follow no. Alabama. No. I, I know it's, Is that standard procedure, though? In, in my career, yes, it okay. is standard. 
Bit, Twenty bit, plus it, yeah. years. It's standard operating procedures. Yes. When the Titans fired Mike Malarkey, they had a okay. press conference. That's well, not a college. But, okay, but we're we're getting off track on the the media relations part of this. Is one facet of many facets. Can I play this clip here, Willie? This is this is Malcolm Turner from yeah. last week. You're at, you're at the po- you're at the podium. Play the clip. Thank you. Let's hear it. Thank you, Coach Donick. I don't think we've been transparent enough and public about what our options are and what our plans are. And of course, as you well know, in absence of that, then everyone fills in their own narrative and some of it may be true, some of it not, but that's what I think has been missing. And so regardless of where we net out, it's, you know, I've took the view that we, I I think this market and I, and this base deserves an answer. They deserve to be acknowledged and listened to. They want to know what's coming and he wants people to know what's coming. And I think what Joe said when he was on with you guys in the 10 o'clock hour today, that there is a list of priorities now. That was last Wednesday, or last Tuesday. And he said the next day he was meeting with the consulting firm to go a little bit closer towards ideation out of the information gathering process. So I think from Joe, and again, the article's out. Obviously, we haven't had a chance to read it yet. But I think we'll get more, and I think we'll get better details. Well, he just he just said exactly what I've been saying. Yeah, You, you don't talk, then everybody's just going to make their own assumptions. Right, and he's saying... He is now realizing that that is a regret. Let me play devil's advocate for just a second because I, I said I agree with you. I wanted to hear from him more, you know, hear from him too. It sounds like now that he has a plan with Joe's article and, and that comment right there and the meetings that he's he's been in, it sounds like there is a plan at least being formed to fix things at Vanderbilt from an athletic standpoint. So with all that said, when he got when he first got the job, is it safe to say that maybe he didn't realize just exactly what he was walking into and that there is no plan and there hasn't been a plan and he's going to have to be the one to formulate the plan? So even though we wanted to hear from him, if he's got nothing to say, then what good does that do? You you can say that. You can form that in a certain way of saying, hey, we've got a lot of work to do. He has said <laughs> I, I that. Got, I got to I got to you you are painting a picture, Max. Like he's been out there. He he has not said that much. Okay, he's been. First of all, he was named in December. We are coming up on December. Like that's almost a year. Okay, we can count how many times he has publicly been talking to people, and it's not. It's probably on one hand. So let's not act like there's been all this stuff here? out there. That was. It, it was right after Stackhouse was hired. Is that yeah? Right? Which was what? That was after the basketball season. Um, but what has the message been, been when he has spoken? I mean, it, it's been, we need to formulate a plan. We're not going to rush into it. I need to gather all the information I possibly can, and this is going to take time. I think it's, I think that's sound thinking. Sure. If you have nothing to tell people, there's nothing to tell. So I, I think the time is coming, and I, I sense that they're on the verge of right. really and Joe being said, able to unveil Joe it's said January. That's the next chapter is when they unveil it. You know they they need to have their ducks in a row and and make sure he's doing the tour and and delivering the message because hopefully he's taken the right amount of time to learn the process. I think we knew when he was hired there was going to be a learning curve for him, never being a act, athletic director before, just getting into the never being in Nashville before. So learning the city, learning the school, learning what it's like to be an athletic director. I thought that I think that's reasonable. But, but yeah. I still think it's a big X factor in terms of whether ultimately he's he's successful or not. It's very, very early. Absolutely. But it does help if he's able to move the needle in terms of getting the people above him. Remember, there's going to be, Max, 
help me here. What, what's going on with the chancellor? Who, who's the who's the chancellor going to be? Yeah, we don't. I we mean, don't know a, if Susan Wente will be hired full time. Who's the interim chancellor right now? I mean, that's a huge yeah. factor. Right? I don't that think there's a search ongoing than, though. Than whoever the athletic director is is what is that person's attitude towards athletics and how much sway do they have with the board of trust? How much has Malcolm Turner been able to uh, get to know the key people on the board of trust that can help? You know, okay, some of these things, and then there's the whole fundraising thing. The relationship there is good with the Board of yeah. Trust. It's really good. And part of the podcast this week, I had Dana O'Neill from The Athletic on, who had an article now two weeks ago where she spent a full day with Jerry Stackhouse and Malcolm Turner. And it was a little bit basketball-centric, but it talked a lot about the administration. She did a lot of reporting for it, got to do a lot of Q&A with them. And she said that Malcolm Turner told her that there has been absolutely no blowback, no resistance, no nothing from the board of trust in terms of getting resources for his plans okay plans that we don't know anything about so we'll just have to take him on his word but is he supposed to inform everybody about plans that aren't done yet well i'm just saying here's the plan plan, what okay Uh, so it's just we don't we're not done with the plan yet hey we got a plan sometime we'll unveil and and you'll just have to trust me that there's there's no blowback i don't i don't think he should have to say what it is until it's done until he knows I agree fully what it I, is. I, I can't stand when there is some sort of press conference or whatever where somebody goes, well, we're having meetings about that. Yeah, we're talking about that. And you get no information. It's like you just you essentially just wasted my time. I would rather him when he does, you know, whether he comes in and talks to us or he has a press conference, he goes, here is a part of the plan that we have done. We can share this with you. We have much more that we're working on. I'm fine with that, but and I, they did do that. Yeah, and and I'm sure there's even more in Joe's article that we'll read when we're when we're done here. But you know, I I understand where you're coming from that you do want to hear more, you want to talk to him, you want to ask questions. But I also understand that this is a it's a mess that he's inherited, and it's going to take a lot of time for him to fix it. Well, yeah, at this pace, the way that they've been moving, I would say it'll be about twenty forty six <laughs> the time everything's done. I don't know if it'll be that long. All right, well, game two tonight, Strohs and Nationals. Anybody think Washington takes a 2-0 lead? What is Justin Verlander's record in the World Series? I don't Pretty know. good, pretty good. Uh, incorrect. No? He is 0-4 Ooh. with Ooh. an ERA over 5 Ooh. in World Series starts. Not good. Doesn't mean anything tonight. I don't. Well, he certainly think, didn't look good his last outing. Was that all with the Astros? No, Tigers. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot that they won. So when they won, now, he, he lost? No, I think he pitched well uh, in that game. It might have been a no decision. Let, we'll have to look at uh, start by start because it could be deceiving. One or two bad starts can skew it. But he, the fact is he's 0-4. So I, I don't think the Nationals are a huge underdog with Strasburg on the mound with with the confidence of already being up one to nothing. Uh I I like I favor the Astros for sure, but they are a minus one seventy five, which is a pretty sizable favorite. That's yeah. a pretty good size. I guess in football that would be what about a touchdown, you think? Yep. Probably. Touchdown favorite. Just to trying to put it in a, a certain light perspective My that maybe bookie. people would understand. Well, the, the Astros simply have a deeper, better team. Yeah. than the Nationals, but the Nationals are riding a, a high right here. Their best players are playing well. Their top pitchers, which is the strength of their team, are are playing very well. So postseason pitching for Verlander. 
World Series, the last time he pitched was the 17. He went 0-1 with a 375. So he pitched pretty well. Two starts, 12 innings, 14 Ks. So he pitched pretty well. Uh, so prior to that is when he had more of the issues. The 2012 World Series, he had a bad start. 0-1, uh, four innings, five earned runs. And then way back early in his career was the other appearance he had in the World Series, and he went 0-2 against the Cardinals in 06. So 0-4 with a 567. 30 strikeouts, 8 walks, which is not bad, but he's allowed 6 home runs and 27 innings in World Series play. But you can argue that the 06 World Series is light years ago. MyBookie.ag yes. has the Astros as a minus 190. Yeah. Oh. I mean, you, you like your chances with Verlander. There's no question about it. But can you pop a couple of home runs off of him? Sure. He gives up home runs, right? In that ballpark, you can hit home runs. Strasburg pitched a masterful game against the Cardinals. Now, do the Astros have a much better lineup than the Cardinals? No doubt about it. But Strasburg is capable of dominating. He's got that changeup working right now. He feels good about himself. So you could see a pretty good pitcher's duel tonight, but I would have said that about last night, too. 5-4. <laughs> five, five, By the way, we just, we're just watching right now. That George Springer play is inexcusable. You got Altuve coming up, yep. a good contact hitter. He would be up with Springer on third as the tying run with one out in the eighth. I like my chances of Altuve getting him in. You know, we've talked many times about coming home after home games. It's not easy just to go to sleep. That was one of those nights last night for me. I'll give you guys a heads up and a tip on something. I watched Real Sports. I guess it just came out, what, a day or two ago? Mm -hmm. Their last story, it's really good. Really good. It's on Rod Bramlett. Oh, wow. The whole Auburn thing, and it's pretty in-depth. It's It was really, really good. I'll have to go check I would, that out. If you have HBO, I would highly recommend that you watch the latest Real Sports with Bryant Gumble, and one of their really good pieces is on the whole Rod and Paula Bramblett, who lost their lives in a car wreck, and the guy who replaced him was his best friend. 25 years of doing baseball, Auburn baseball games together. It's just really cool. Andy Bertram is who their play-by-play guy is. So if you get a chance, check it out. There's I will do so. There's my tip for the day. Appreciate the tip. That'll do it for us. It's free, by the way. We'll be back at it tomorrow. <laughs> Smashville so Live. So is the show. So is the show. Yes, so it is. That's Smashville true. Live, 7 o'clock tonight. 7 to 8, Drake's and Cool Springs. Go have a good time. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. We'll come back. We will wrap up Wednesday's edition of Darren, Donnick, and Chase next.